I'm Chris Barker. And I'm Will Betts. And this is the Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast. In this podcast, we speak with producers, DJs, audio engineers, and industry figureheads about their fantasy forever studio. The studio will have to be created within the confines of our occasionally flexible rules. And importantly, it's a studio our guests will have to live with forever. But what are these rules? Well, our guests can select a computer, a DAW, and an audio interface first. Then they can only choose six other bits of studio kit, plus one luxury item. But Chris, what if they want a selection of plugins combined into a single package? No bundles! No bundles! No bundles, that's right. Anyway, joining us today is Austin Jux Chandler, an award-winning British engineer who's worked with the likes of Ed Sheeran, Lady Gaga, ASAP Rocky, Bonobo, John Legend and The Weeknd. He's also worked with Adele and earned a Grammy for his work on her album 25. Starting his career at Dean Street Studios in London, a spot that used to be Tony Visconti's Good Earth Studios, Austin quickly rose the ranks to head engineer. Now he's based in LA working with the likes of Cali Uchis, specialising in vocal production. Okay, let's go. This is it, My Forever Studio with Austin Jux Chandler. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me on board. I think this is the most stretched out different time zones we've done for the podcast. So It is. Yeah, yeah it's extraordinary. I don't know how we're doing this, frankly. It's a, it's a wonder of modern technology. And thank you for staying up so late, Austin, to accommodate this. No, it's great. It's a good marker of uh, how the current world is operating, I think. Indeed, indeed. Um, so to get us off the topic of the current world, let's go straight into fantasy studio land. Mm. Well, first of all, tell us where exactly you are and then maybe tell us where you would want to put your studio if it's not where you are currently. Right now, I am in Los Angeles. Uh, I've been here for two years now, two and a half years, um, and it isn't the location of where my studio is. Um, actually, my studio is harking back to where my musical career began, which is in Soho in central London. Oh, oh really? Going to the heart of the heart of London town? Mm. Yeah, wow. The belly yeah. of the beast. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I did debate whether I should put it on a beach in Barbados. That would have been very nice. But... The way that I work is quite collaborative and Barbados is quite far away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite a long way so, for people to get to. So it's nice, but I would be there. It would literally be a kind of island studio on my own. No one hanging around me. And I would go stir crazy yeah, eventually. Okay. Um, you'd be on a lot of Zoom calls though, Austin. <laughs> yeah, but Zoom and music don't go that well together, yeah. as I've found out over the last couple of months. It's quite difficult. Yeah, interesting. Even though everybody is, has everybody been contacting you trying to... Oh, can we not just do this via Zoom? Can we not just make an album via Zoom? Yeah, I've, I mean, I have just finished an album, just finished, which was done using quite a lot of like remote musicians, um, sending out stems and stuff and getting them to track, I don't know, brass. We had a brass player in London. We did some strings with a guy that was, uh, I think in San Francisco. I can't remember. But yeah, we, we just fin- I just finished an album where we're doing lots of those sorts of processes where we're kind of sharing stuff and doing Zoom calls and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, and I've also just finished uh, an EP with the artist that I like my main artist that I work with at the moment and we've just been producing that where I had to do kind of like I had to kind of jump onto her computer remotely and operate Pro Tools from her side while she's tracking vocals and then I would pick it up my end on Dropbox and do all the editing and processing and that sort of stuff so it's been a weird one for the last couple of months to be honest but we managed to make it work yeah and it seems like everybody's Everybody's in the same boat, aren't they? Everybody's kind of got all the mm. different solutions for these kind of crazy times. Yeah, it's a weird one, but it seems like there's a lot of music being created, so it's exciting. It's nice to be a part of that community. So so tell us why 
Soho then? Is it is it just because of the Dean Street connection, or are you um, you know, have you have you got a fondness for Soho generally? Or I mean, I, yeah, well, I mean, I do have fondness for Soho in general, but yeah, it would be remiss to say that that isn't as a result of Dean Street. Um, that's kind of where my my musical heart and family reside still. Um, and I think also spending so much time here alone without people around me, <laughs> I think that's also why I'm like, just get me with people, just get me amongst a lot of noise and things and stuff. Um, but yeah, Soho to me is just like, it's the, it's like the, the central hub and everyone can just descend on that. And there's a lot of inspiration there as well. Like some of the history of, of Dean street kind of a lot of people, um, hark back to the fact that Bowie recorded there and talks about, you know, during sessions, you would need inspiration. He would just literally walk upstairs, kind of trundle along, um, trundle along, sorry, uh, old Compton street and kind of work out his lyrics while he's walking around Soho and then drop back into the studio and, and just nail it. So I think central London or London in general is a really inspiring place. So that kind of is why I want to be in the middle of it. So that's a stark difference from some of those sort of residential facilities. We did a piece just recently with Krungbin and they went off to a rural barn in Texas. And it's, that's the whole thing. They need to get away mm. from everything to do their record. But it's the complete opposite vibe with, with Dean Street. Complete opposite. No, I want, I want everyone, I just want to be amongst it. I want dogs hanging around. I want family being part of it. Um, for me as well, it's not even necessarily that it's like a recording studio set up. I, kind of picture this sort of situation where I would be living there as well and it's like an open plan sort of mm. deal where there's like a kitchen off to the side and um you know everyone's just hanging around there's maybe a games console in the mm. corner or whatever but you know I just want it to be a collaborative space where everyone is just everyone's involved with the process even if they're not necessarily contributing to the music at least they're still contributing to the atmosphere and the environment so it sounds to me like this might have been been dreamt up so hard because of the global pandemic and you've been on your own do you think do you think if you were still at dean street you'd be answering this question going yeah let's let's get rid of all these people they're so annoying i just want to be on my own on <laughs> yeah. <an island."> <laughs> <laughs> i just want to get the hell out where can i go um i know la um oh. even though there's even more people here um yeah it may be to do with that i think i've always loved being in central london though i, I am a city person and I do thrive off of that sort of buzz and energy that cities cities give you. Um, but yeah, it may well be pushed a bit harder because of COVID. Tell us about the um, the decor and what it looks like inside. Then is it quite is it quite modern? Is it you know because there's a, a a big palette of uh, recording studio. Yeah, what they look like. I wouldn't say it's going to be one of the uh, the shiny white neon sort of deals. It's not that. Um, I feel much more comfortable in studios that are a lot more homely and comfortable. So maybe not necessarily as vintagey and seventies vibe as some of the studios, but at least something that feels kind of like a, a lived in space or a space that you can just be comfortable in, you know, like sit around in your pajamas, have slippers on or whatever, drinking tea while you're making music. Like I want it to be a space that everybody would feel comfortable in, um, yeah, no, nothing to because that's the thing with those showy ones. It's very much like this is the studio. Yeah, you know the spaceship. It's very like this is a technological space. You are not comfortable here unless you're a scientist. Yeah, and for me, you know, I always say that I'm a kind of a, a heretic as an engineer. But like the 
the pristine audio and and stuff for me isn't necessarily the it's not the main focal point of what I'm trying to do in a studio. It's more about capturing an energy and an atmosphere and, I don't know, I suppose an artistic direction. So, yeah, it's more, it's more about the, the environment to me rather than the, the tech. Although I do have a list here of techie things. As I'm we sure will get to that in just a second. <laughs> yeah. Things and stuff. Um, we're going to kick off then. We've got three items the freebies we have a computer a daw and an audio interface so let's start with the computer austin what are you gonna have mac or pc it's just gonna have to be the ridiculous souped up mac okay just whatever whatever if you just click every accessory on the mac tower just it's like forty-five thousand yes, yes, yes. pounds yeah i mean Is we've it? all done it yeah Go on the apple store <laughs> and just like yep add that yep 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 it's gonna be one of those big big bad boy mac tower yeah it has to be has to be an Apple thing, I'm afraid. So you're running a Mac currently then, I assume? I am. I'm, uh, I'm running a Mac Mini. Ooh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> underrated, yeah. underrated. That was self-upgraded Mac Mini. Because okay. um, I've, you know, the last computer that I bought was a laptop because I was moving around lots of different places and doing kind of like quite a few in-home sessions with people. Or I just needed a portable setup. Mm. Um and then it started to be more that I was kind of in a singular space. Um, so yeah, I economically decided that the Mac Mini was the best option for me and I upgraded the RAM on it and it works perfectly. Very nice, very nice. Um, and it's sort of sandwich size as opposed to bin size, which is even more portable than a Mac Pro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And actually, yeah, I have done, I, I did a session sometime last year. I had to go record a friend's piano in his house and you know, all fit in a bag, really. Beautiful. So it was nice. And your DAW of choice? Pro Tools. And you're not going to, you're not going to try and sidestep the rule by, you know, bringing in a, another DAW later. You're not going to try and bring in Ableton later or like Logic or anything. You're just Pro Tools straight down no, the line. No, I'm, I am a, a Pro Tools boy through and through. <laughs> That's the t-shirt. Um, Pro Tools boy. <laughs> Pro Tools boy. Yeah. I mean, I've gone through all the others. Um, started on Logic when I was a teenager. My university was a Steinberg institution, so they taught us Cubase and Nuendo. Um, but then as soon as I got into into Dean Street, it was like, this is the industry standard. And that's that's what I'm most comfortable on. That's what I'm fastest on. Why, why do you think it still is the industry standard? Because um, obviously there was a point where, yes, nothing touched it, I guess. But it's it's so competitive now and it's quite close between all the different doors. Do you think it's just a always has, always will? Or do you think it still genuinely offers stuff that the other doors don't i think um one of the reasons is that it kind of it sort of is a self-fulfilling prophecy anyway so it is the industry standard so if i'm working in a studio in london and then i go to la i know that they're probably going to have pro tools so there's that kind of thing everyone's already on it so it most likely will stay like that um secondly i think for what i do at least like audio manipulation and recording and editing and mixing and all that sort of stuff it just beats everything hand down. And there's always people that will say Cubase is just as good. And I'm sure for them it is, but you know, the portability of going to different studios, all that sort of stuff ties into it. Um, so yeah, I think for the audio manipulation, it is the strongest in my book. I have worked with plenty of producers that will only work on logic or only work on Ableton because that works for their creative flow. And I've definitely watched them with a lot of envy mm. thinking, I wish that I could do the things that they're doing that quickly on Pro Tools. So 
I know that Pro Tools doesn't have certain strengths, but for what I do predominantly, it's, it's perfect and I can't see myself changing. Do you think that'll ever be broken though, just as a, not not necessarily just for you, but for the industry? Because um, it's obviously, it, that's that's the kind of, I'm sure that's the dream for every door is to, to you know. Yeah. And there's been a fair few attempts. I mean, do you think? Yeah, and like, what was it? Uh, the PreSonus thing, Studio One came out. Yeah. Studio One is pretty strong, yeah. And I wanted to try that. Um, I never got around to actually testing it out, but it seemed to be like a, you know, this holy, holy grail of it has the creative flow and you can also like, I remember they were saying that you can bring in all your own um, shortcuts from Pro Tools. So it feels just like Pro Tools or just like Cubase or whatever. Um, so yeah, I th- something like that may well may well come into come into play and take over. But you know, again, it's going to be hard to shift every recording studio in the world to, yeah. to change um, to the same one as well. Because if if everyone moves to like a different one, then what's the point? <laughs> yeah. yeah but i think it's it's one of those things that can shift though isn't it you know like you look at tvs and you know sony tvs were like the premium tv mm. and samsung used to make washing machines and fridges and then suddenly it sort of felt like it switched overnight and in the dj booth as well you had technics mm. technics and denon dominated the dj booths you know and then pioneer almost came out of nowhere and now they're both fighting to get back in with various, you know, chasing yeah. the technologies. Well, to be fair, our, when they changed to the HDX system, that seemed to me like it could have been the yeah. tipping point where everyone was like, you know what? Like, nah, <laughs> that's too yeah. much. Because um, it was a real big step and a big financial step for mm. a lot of places as well. I remember Dean Street really, like, we had to think very hard about whether we would take that take that leap. Um, we decided to go with it and it was it worked perfectly. It was great. But it did feel like a moment in time where it could have shifted, where everybody was like, you know what, like we're not tied because they also lost the, um, or they opened up, let's say, the third party um, accessibility to other interfaces. Mm. So they'd already done that. And then they were also throwing this extra curveball on everybody and asking everybody to invest their money again Mm -hmm. after having all these people that have been legacy users that have already invested all this money. And they're like, really? You're really going to make me give you all this money? and we yeah. did, so <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Universal Audio are hot on the heels with all that kind of stuff. They're really trying, aren't they, with their recording systems and yeah, and their interfaces. I really love, I really love UA. I think they're a great company. They're really exciting. Um, they're really innovative. Their products are great. I've got, I'm recording into an Apollo right now. I use their their plugins every day. That moves us swiftly on then to the next free item, doesn't it? Well, interface audio interface. Yeah, very good segue. Yes, so the interface, oh, I didn't really know which way to go with this. And I don't know if this ca- counts really. I like the Crane Song um, head unit. Mm. But I don't really know if that counts as an interface because it's more of a converter, really. So I'm not really sure how that works. I think we've had Crane Song before, right? Well, we have, yeah. But it's only two channels yeah. is the problem as well. Oh, uh, yeah, no bundles. Which doesn't really work with my next item on the list as well. So I just thought, screw it, I'll just go with the RME, just get one of the the bad boy what is it fireface the the biggest whatever it's called i don't know so rme over universal audio tell, tell us about and an over you know well there's plenty of audio interface options but yeah i think what's led me to that path is probably from recording into crane songs um or like not just crane songs but like uh high spec ad converters and really kind of i can't necessarily quantify what it is that I hear, but there's something about a higher level of conversion that really does make 
the the recording process just just sounds so much more pristine. I sound like such a luddite explaining it in that manner, but um, I just I just highly value high quality AD conversion um, over channel counts. I would much rather have two channels of pristine high end AD with like the Crane Song, for example, over. I didn't even know like a 24 input thing. But saying that, you mentioned the UA and their conversions are competitive. So it's basically for me, as I was saying, tech-wise, how we convert what someone's saying into ones and zeros to me isn't the breaking point of the studio. So let's just go with an RME. All righty. Go for the for RME. Why not? Okay. okay. A lot of people trust them. Yeah, they are kind of bulletproof, yeah. actually. They... I've mm. never heard of one going down. Yeah, and they sort they keep updating the drivers for forever as well. Like yeah. you know, my my friends have got them that are like twelve years old, and they when there's an OS update or whatever, there's new drivers for this twelve year old device straight mm. away. Rock yeah, solid. they're solid. And the other reason not to go for a, a UAD is because I'm trying to adhere strictly to your no bundle plans. And if I can't, <laughs> no bundle. If I can't have no bundles. <laughs> if I can't have no bundles. <laughs> Uh-huh. Then you know yeah. what's the point in getting the UAD? What's you know? yeah? U- UAD is a, is a bundle night yeah. indeed, indeed. And I want it. I yeah. want all those bundles, but you're not letting me have it. So I have to find other means of getting what I need. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So what what's that? We've got the we've got the super duper Mac. We've got the RME, and we've got Pro We have yeah. your six choices. Your studio items. What would you start with? You need to record something. You need to be able to record with something, mm-hmm. rather. And hear something. You need to be able to hear something. There's no speakers. You know what? I started making my list. I almost maxed out, and I was like, I haven't even got any speakers on it. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> School boy era. Yeah, because I, I, I was just thinking, oh, there must be, there must be one of the free ones, because it's a studio. You have to have monitors. That would be some uh, Jedi stuff if you could just make the track and then just publish it and just be like, I'm sure it's Bluetooth fine. Bluetooth it straight into my brain. Um <laughs> No, so first on the list, I suppose, if we worked in a vocal chain or a signal chain path, would be a Valve U47. Ooh. That's my go-to. That's that's my baby. That's always, like, for me, the, it's, a, it's just a safe pair of hands. I know it's always going to be great. There's alternates that could be better in a certain scenario, or, you know... Oh, well, you also mentioned that there's um, just, like, forever upkeep like the tech of all this stuff is just pristine and perfect forever so yeah 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 why not have a vintage u47 oh okay so you've you've heard the the loophole listen guys long time listener <laughs> yeah first time caller okay <laughs> <laughs> um, i mean do you, do you own one of these microphones or, or is it just one of those things you make a point of when you're booking studios or uh, or you hire them in we or? used we used to have one at we used to have one at dean street um, we actually had one of the Wonder Audio ones. I did a session once uh, where someone had a vintage U47 and we used the pair of them on drums and it sounded like a pair. It sounded great. Um, so yeah, for me, tracking vocals at least, you know, going back to what I was doing when I was in, in Dean Street, that always sort of outshone everything else. I remember I did a session with Tony Visconti, in fact, and we hired in, I can't even remember what, exactly what models they were but there were two vintage um neumann valves maybe like the m4 m49 and maybe the m149 potentially i can't really remember mm-hmm. but we lined all three of them up against this vocalist and the wonder audio beat them oh. wow um so 
who knows? Maybe even the 47 is a wonder. I don't know. But basically, the 47 capsule valve for me is like, it's the one. Okay. Excellent. And for this, I'm going for that because I've used it on a bunch of different things. I've used it on vocals. I love 47 on acoustic guitar. Um, I know some engineers go for like a stereo setup or at least a pair for for, for guitars, but I've always found that just a single 47 in front of the guitar just is just beautiful. Um, paired with an LA2, but I don't have enough space on my, my list, so the LA2 doesn't doesn't quite fit the list, I'm afraid. Whereabouts do you put it in front of the guitar then, Austin? Where, where would you put that? Uh, generally, depending on, um, I suppose, the resonance of the guitar, I'm maybe like a foot away from the sound hole, maybe between a foot and six inches from the, the sound hole. I would, I, I suppose, where the, the sound hole joins the neck of the guitar. Okay. Um, generally facing the facing the neck, facing the fretboard. Um, yeah, and then if it's too resonant, if it's too boomy, then I'll just kind of inch it backwards. Or if I want more of a resonance, maybe I'll face it more down towards the body of the, mm. the guitar. Or if I want more of the twang, I'll angle it up towards the neck. But generally, that's my starting point. I, f- I find that with a with a with a forty seven, I just know that it's it's kind of going to fit the bill. You can kind of just throw it up near enough in the right eye area, and it's going to sound brilliant. I've done plenty of sessions where I just haphazardly placed the mic sort mm-hmm. of where you think it sort of should be, and then I don't know, go go and check it, and they're like, "It sounds the best I've ever heard it." I'm like, mm, "Yeah, well, that's because I'm so such a talented engineer. Obviously, nothing to do with the, <laughs> you know twenty grand of signal chain you're going through." But yeah, I mean, I've I've seen other engineers do it. Like their equivalent of throwing it up. It's it is all that experience of you mm. do genuinely throw it up in the right spot straight away. Um, yeah, I guess once you've done it a thousand times you you do kind of understand where where you sort of need to be yeah you've you've probably seen a similar shaped guitar or that sound of guitar before and that type of player before and it's all a kind of yeah. an averaging of all of those elements isn't it i guess yeah and the style of music that you're working on yeah, yeah you kind of do all those calculations before you've even picked up the mic to be honest yeah. so you've already made your selection and worked out where in the room it's going to be and how how they're going to you know be positioned and that sort of stuff um and of the people you've worked with um on uh, doing vocals who's loved the 47 is it like across the board or with any particular standouts um so as i said tony visconti loved that 47 um i did the adele vocals on the 47 um when i did the sessions with ed sheeran that was 47 on his guitar i think we might have used it as a room mic as well when we, when we tracked drums for him um so the producer that was on that session, a guy called Charlie Hugel, was like, he's a very, very talented engineer. And I, mm. I really loved working with him on those sessions and a few other sessions as well. But yeah. Well, let's move on then to um, item number two. We've got the we've got the Neumann. What's number two in your on your list? Well, I was going to select the Neve 1073. And I guess if mm. I've only if I've only got one mic, then I could as well just have that. Um, but I also know that Neve have got like a nice, a nice little kind of small size console called the, uh, I looked it up is the BCM 10, which has got a, a rack of 1073s in it. But also I, I do like the idea of having a tactile console as well. So I was trying to think of something that would like, uh, allow me to still have a console as the center, center point of my studio, but give mm. me the pre's that I know and love. 
<laughs> so this gives me that. But there's nothing to stop you having like a Neve Genesis or uh, something, you know, or a massive console if you want. I don't. Yeah. I don't really like massive consoles, to be honest. Okay. I, in what? fact, I've been saying to many studio people, like this, many different studio owners, like you don't need this desk. Like this, there's a studio in LA that I work in quite a lot, and he's got this huge, like 50, 60 channel um, Amec desk. Um, which actually has a Neve sticker on it, which is very funny. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, most sessions, you don't need that desk. And actually, as I've found working through the years, like if I'm working on multiple pro- projects and also I'm jumping between songs on different days, then actually a desk becomes a bit of a hindrance. So I'd rather have something that's like a summing console um, for monitoring. Do you think possibly it's... Um... For a lot of studio owners, um, it's a visual aid for when the A&R guy comes in to book the studio or managers or artists to make themselves feel like, oh, we're in the studio now. It's kind of a visual cue to, I don't understand all of these buttons. So, 100%. As, as proved by the fact that he just put a Neve sticker on there. And actually, he, <laughs> he bought a Neve, I think um, he must have gone to Nam one year and he said that he just bought a Neve volume knob. He's just stuck that on there and it does the job. So <laughs> why spend all that money? Just get a sticker. <laughs> Has he got one of those? He's got a Porsche 911, but it's actually like a a, VW, a VW bug with a massive spoiler on the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just got a cardboard shell around it. Um, no, he's a re- you know what? He's a really successful and talented engineer. He really knows his stuff. But you know, he just he only put it on there for a laugh. But he it is funny the people that you know don't understand and so they see yeah. that sticker and they're like oh wow it's a new desk I'm like mm, no it's not if you just look next to it it says amic but whatever but i guess they're like i think it is important like that people feel like they're in a serious situation and um i mean i always remember that uh the documentary it's it was it is it louis theroux when he's going to find michael jackson and he goes to michael jackson's dad and obviously it's the era of small cameras and michael jackson's dad wouldn't do an interview with him because he didn't believe he was a real journalist because his camera was too small <laughs> and it's that kind of thing it's like yeah you're not real this is this isn't for the bbc you know where's your big cameras because everybody wants like massive shoulder mounted you know looking like you're on tv kind of thing and i, I definitely g- get that i yeah i i do think that people will see that and then think oh now we're in a pro studio yeah as opposed to just seeing like a an apollo rack but realistically there's so many sessions i've done where you're using a huge desk and you're just monitoring out two faders <laughs> yeah like you know mm-hmm. or there's sessions where i'm engineering vocals and the producer just wants to plug his laptop into an aux yeah like all this stuff becomes kind of just a big dusty table yeah and an awkward one at that because you can't rest a cup of tea on it (laughs) yeah um so it's just (laughs) not comfortably yeah not comfortably not not without being very worried for the whole session so what's that we uh item number three that's two down yeah number three now yeah um should we say, should we move away from the techie stuff and go more instrumental? Um, I was going to choose a Beckstein grand piano. Okay. Tell us why the Beckstein. Ooh. Again, sound like a broken record, but it's something that we had at Dean Street. But we did have sessions where people uh, brought Yamahas down, which was a horrible ordeal watching these piano movers lift <laughs> like a seven foot piano down the stairwell at Dean Street. It's a, it's a basement studio in the center of Soho, and there's a very tight, winding stairwell to get down which is bad enough when you're an assistant you have to carry guitar amps and all that sort of stuff up and down the stairs for bands but to have a, have them bring in a huge piano to go and just sit next to our piano 
yeah, I was glad not to be doing the moving on that day. But the reason why a Beckstein and not necessarily like a, a Steinway or a Yamaha is because for the work that I do, pianos usually become part of the texture. Um, even if it is the lead instrument, it's usually accompanied by other textures. Um, and I find that the Beckstein, at least the the one in Dean Street and a few others that I've played as well, kind of have a bit more of a like a character that allows them to to be heard in a mix. They've got kind of a brightness and um, I suppose a bit more of an attack. So they kind of sit in a mix amongst other ingredients a bit better. Whereas I find that if it was um, a Yamaha or a Steinway or any of the like classic, you know, clean, beautiful, lush pianos, they're kind of beautiful on their own of course and maybe just them and an accompanying vocal of course it's going to sound incredible but once you start layering stuff in there it's just such a it's such a big unit to try and balance because you can't really mm. scoop too much out because then it sounds unnatural and you can't make it too loud because then it dominates everything because it's so big but if you have it too quiet then it hasn't got the same attack mm -hmm. whereas i've always found that with becksteins whether it's been an upright or a grand they have the ability to be able to be made to sound lush. And where are you putting your one mic on this piano? <laughs> That's a good point. Um, <laughs> I would say most likely quite central to the to the strings above it, maybe facing down towards the hammers, facing down towards the player. So you get a little bit of the body um, and you get a bit of the attack from the hammers and the brightness. Um, and depending on what size it is, you would you'd position it so that you either hear more of the low strings or high strings or whatever. You'd kind of yeah. maneuver it a little bit. Depending on the piece, um, I guess, as well. Yeah. And for our listeners, um, Austin went into his mind palace when he was uh, yeah. thinking about it. We could close his eyes and visualize <laughs> the whole thing. It was incredible. Sorry. <laughs> did I mention as well that this is a penthouse recording studio? No. You did not. You uh, overlooked that critical. I'm, I, I was under the road in Soho yeah. visualizing in, in my mind. Our second story I was like, in mind. Yeah, I was in a basement. No, no, we've got we've got a beautiful vista across across all of London. Soho in the sky, panoramic views. Mm, exactly. So maybe maybe that center point, point tower, tower. Yeah. at the top of there. Yeah, maybe doesn't center point rotate as well? Maybe I can have the studio just like rotating looking around i don't think it rotates but you no. know you could rotate it in the forever studio. yeah we'll we'll get some industrial engineers in there we'll make it happen <laughs> we've got the budget it's fine. rotate it guys just chop, make chop. it happen guys <laughs> don't give me excuses so what what are we on now what are we on we've got the the, the big big grand piano yeah uh what's that that's item mm -hmm. four right so that's we're closing four. in now yeah so i need to be able to hear this piano through the 1073 mm -hmm. and the mic so um I was going to go for the ATCs. Which ones? Maybe not the big, big boys. Maybe not the huge 100s. Maybe... We can't, we can't upsell that. Upsell your um, No, I mean, for me, I don't really monitor that loud. I, I mean, I do like a bit of vibe every now and again. I do like to, to pump it. But to be honest, ATCs don't really have that sort of weight behind them. They're a bit more clinical. Um, so... Also, bearing in mind within your strict, strict rules, strict-ish rules, yeah, ish. I was gonna jump. I was gonna jump over to the barefoots because ah. they've got the little. How very LA? <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> selling out my British heritage for some newfangled American technology. Um, just because they've got a bit more weight, and they also have that. I'm not going to try and pronounce the thing, but they have the the little slider, the little knob. 
Meme? Meme. Meme technology. M-E-M-E. Well, yeah, there you go. I didn't want to pronounce it weird and then get lambasted. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, these speakers come with their own meme. So what That's it, very LA as well, isn't it? It's like meme-friendly speakers. It's the, it's the Gen, Gen Z of monitors. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Explain what it is then, Austin. Because I can only have one set of monitors, this allows me to switch between different, um, I suppose, their presets or profiles. So I can go from like an NS10 sound up to like a hi-fi boosted sound or just the monitors as they are. So that kind of give me a little bit of a different listening experience depending on... So these are Gen Z speakers that come with memes and Instagram filters built in, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> All about the presets. All yeah. about the presets. Just scrolling through different filters for your mix. Yeah. Just which one do I want today? Maybe I just want a little lo-fi filter. Exactly. We're so old, none of us could think of any current filters. No. Really. That's cool. Couldn't, th- couldn't think of what the names are. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to go for for monitors. Um, are they three-way as well, those big barefoots, are they? Yes. Which ones are you going for? Because they're a bunch. I know, there's just too many. Can I just say the best ones? and then Micromain 45. Those are the ones I meant. <laughs> yeah, um, sure, sure they are. No, they are, they are. They probably are. That's was on yeah. the tip of my tongue, tip of my tongue. For those, I probably would get the big boys, which are whatever the... The big towers are for those. Oh, okay. Because obviously I own the whole building, so I don't have to worry about my neighbors. That's true. Of course. And I'm rotating anyway, so I can kind of just, I'll I'll only be upsetting one set of residents at a time. Every five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That just passes by. (laughs) Oh, there goes Austin again. So it's actually the the big, big one that's uh, uh, got like three three portions to it, where there's the top is a five way. That sounds like a bundle. And then a wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Is it a bundle though? Master Stack 12. Is that the one you mean? Or... But you can buy them as a set piece though. You can. Surely. You can buy them as a set piece, but then you can buy bundles as set pieces. But I suppose that's what a bundle yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah, a bundle is. But just to find yeah. bundles. But but are are they sold individually? The the separate components for that, are they sold individually? I guess one is a sub and one is... I think we will allow a sub. I think we've had it before with the key audios anyway at Strong Room. I, I think we, we they're kind of the same, aren't they? Where there's kind of a, a top and a bottom to the speaker. Yeah for the major ones we'll mm. let you have this one the master stack 12 well, yeah, let it slide yeah. let it slide through technically let it go yeah. not happy about it but fine yes item number five um so item number five is more of an effects unit i was gonna go for the re201 space echo Ooh. ah interesting because i'm a huge dub fan I would like would love to go and visit Black Ark and go and see all the like Lee Scratch Perry stuff. Mm. And yeah, when I was in university, I was in a reggae band, was obsessed with dub. Um, got got an A, got a mark A on my uh, my lecture that I gave, where I basically said that dub is the root of all music. Essentially, I had a huge, huge like spider diagram where I linked everything, including rap and country i can't remember how i how i made these links some of them were pretty strenuous but essentially <laughs> i was saying that dub is the root of everything everything gets back to dub wow um so that's why i'd go for the space echo awesome and the 201 the the classic not because there's what there's 301s and there's there's well there's a there's yeah, a lot there's of different the, tape echoes in fact isn't there space and, echoes yeah uh, i'd be staying true to the to the lee scratch perry kind of thing it was either that or i'd really like a uh, spring reverb. So I had to look it up and he had a Grampian spring reverb. Because I can never find, like there's so many great um, digital emulations of reverbs. And obviously there's a ton of different hardware plates and things and 
mm. halls and rooms and all that sort of stuff, impulse responses and blah, 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 blah. But I still have not yet found a really great spring that just just sounds perfect. I, d- I just haven't found it yet. And I don't, I don't know where to find it. If you want to point me in the direction, I'm all, yet, all ears. Perfect spring reverb, hardware or software has to be real mm, probably software realistically for what i'm doing but i would love a hardware version i mean do you use the um the the ua or the roland cloud space echoes have you tried those as well yeah i do use the the ua one um and it is very good for the the 201 and what else i use a lot of sound toys plugins ah. i use sound toys on pretty much everything so my go-to on that is to go to the space echo um thing in it or oh, echo boy on Echo Boy, yeah, but within Echo Boy, I mean, there's ah. the space space Echo um, profile. So um, you've never owned a hardware one. So this this Forever Studio is a real dream one, right? Never owned one. I've used plenty of them. Mm. Um, yeah, I've I've done sessions where people have brought them in and had a great time, like spinning out yeah. snares and all this sort of stuff mm. and dubbing <laughs> stuff. It's been great. They can add a they can add a lot of vibe, even when they're sort of almost bypassed as well. Like you just go through them with with yeah. very little touch yeah it's it's just a a beautiful magical and it's just so simple as well you don't have to think too much and it you know the fact that it doesn't have the same sync that a software version has means that you're never quite going to be exactly in beat which i think makes it better because then Mm. it's it kind of gives a bit more of the sway and groove and and all that sort of stuff to the music and there's uh, sort of modern recreations aren't they i'm just i'm just looking at that the the echo fix is it the echo fix Echofix EFX2, which is an actual real tape echo. It's kind of like the modern yeah, this is the one. space echo. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, so for the for the space echoes, there's plenty of those. And actually on like the used market as well, then they're, they're not out of, you know, they're not a crazy amount of money really. But it's the spring reverb that I'm struggling with. But I have been using the UAD, what is it, BX250? think is oh yeah that that spring thing they've got yeah and it sounds nice and lush but it isn't really very variable i can't i couldn't get like that quick kind of surf spring you know that sort of twang Mm -hmm. Um, i think um i think for springs it's the kind of thing where you need to get some somebody that builds them and mm. you can just get somebody to build it to your specification because a lot of those ones that are really unique were kind of just made in a garage or made you know i mean like they were made for a certain engineer or a certain album. Especially with somebody like um like King Tubby, who was mm. he was yeah, yeah. an engineer anyway, building sound systems and stuff and whatever he was doing. So I, he may well have built his own. But yeah. But then if you get one that built build one to your taste or get somebody to help build one with you, then that can be your thing as well. Which is kind of mm. cool. like you say, like the Tubby thing where it's like, yeah, nobody else can recreate it because I've got the only yeah. one of these because I built it. Exactly. So we're going for the space mm. echo. Yeah. So we've got some kind of. I'm trying to think. Trying to picture the music here. We've got kind of a a grand piano, a space echo. Yeah, it's a bit all over the shop, isn't a it? Love of dub. <laughs> it's a bit all over the shop. Um, but generally, I work across a ton of different styles and genres with a, a load of different artists, and these are the types of tools that I seem to always go back to. Even if I'm starting a song with someone just on the piano then we transfer it to a different instrument. It's still nice to just have that there to just, I don't know, get to the, the root of the song at least. Um, so when is the um, Adele dub album coming? Because I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, that's strictly on a national basis. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I really like collaborating with people 
and creating in a space with people. So that's why I was saying that I think this studio should be a an open plan kind of living space where it's like a, I don't want to say commune because that sounds weird, but... <laughs> <laughs> Are you starting a cult? <laughs> I might be. I might just be starting the cult of Austin. Am I starting a cult? But like, you know, yeah. for example, one of my favorite albums is the, the Rolling Stones' Exile on Main Street, where they literally just rented a house in the south of France for however long it took them to do. And they just, you know, it was an open doors policy. Like the studio is always running. It's 4 a.m. Like, let's just get in there and do some saxophone. And then, you know, wives, kids, dogs, everyone's hanging around. Um I just really like that energy. Conversation took such a much more positive turn than I was like when when you were talking communes and. <laughs> I think I, think it, I meant yeah, more of. A, you, have you ever heard Charles Manson's album? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I, I probably meant more a community <laughs> as opposed to a commune. Yeah. <laughs> yes, a community. That, yeah, there you go. Very, community. Very yeah. slight but very important difference. We're on to our last pick then, Austin. It's number six of your studio items. What's it going to be? So this is the only software item that I have. Um, and I'm going for the FabFilter Pro Q3. Oh, equalizer. Why? But not just an equalizer, Will. <laughs> A dynamic equalizer. <laughs> we should be playing Albatross by uh, Fleetwood Mac. Is that to say that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I can't have a bundle. And I can't think of any channel strip plugins that are really, you know, doing it for me. So this sort of ties in the idea of an EQ that I can use creatively as well as like forensically. I can also control dynamics with it. Um, I was potentially going to say the um, Soothe plugin. Ah. Because I use that mm. a lot. We've had that before. And it's popular in- choice. Oak sound, it's yeah. incredibly powerful. Um but I think I can sort of get a semblance of that with, with Pro-Q3 with just a bit more time. Mm-hmm. Maybe for, for people that don't know, maybe explain explain Soothe and explain what you would do with the the dynamic EQ. To I'm not sure how to describe Soothe exactly because it isn't really an EQ and it isn't a compressor. It sort of blends between the two, I suppose. Um, so for me, I have found the most success when there's some sort of resonance that I'm trying to remove. Usually it's going to be maybe the body of a vocal. If somebody hasn't got quite so much um, kind of uh, proximity control, their voice can get quite boomy. Um, so I'll use it to control that low, those sort of low mids and low frequencies for that. Um, however, I'll also use it for the higher frequencies. Let's say you've got an acoustic guitar and it's just way too jangly or way too attacky on the like the sound of you strumming the strings, then you can sort of, uh, you can select a region of the frequency and tell it to take out very specific frequencies. And it's constantly moving as well. So it's reacting to the audio that is being fed. So it's not just picking one frequency and just um, working like a multiband compressor. It's a hundred different frequencies all bouncing around together. So it's like a dynamically moving DSA sort of experience kind, kind of, of yeah they call it a dynamic resonance suppressor there we go that's their language <laughs> dynamic yeah. resonance suppressor there you go so we but we're we're talking now about your final item the um the pro the q3. pro q3 so when did you first get this did you get i guess you know obviously you don't have the bundle here no bundles no bundles but no bundles did you get like the fab filler bundle and discover it or how, how did you come across it originally um actually i think it was from a producer visiting us at Dean Street that had 
licenses for it and needed to download it for his session. Um, so yeah, downloaded it on our system and then I was just blown away because at, at that point it wasn't Pro-Q3, it was Pro-Q2, I think. And it was like the L1 limiter. Um, and I hadn't ever really got on that well with the, the waves limiting bundles. Um, what was my go-to? I think my go-to used to be the, the Massey L2007 for limiting. Oh yeah. So yeah, when, when the fab when he installed the fab filter bundle and he came back quite often, so I got quite a good, you know, chance to test all these things out. I just thought that pro L from, from fab filter, I thought was really, really good. Um, and the DSer as well was the best DSer that I'd used up until that point and it's a shame you can't have it still is i know don't need it got fab, got the pro q3 now so stuff nice. your nice stuff your bundles so will give us a little rundown of what we got so far before we get onto the luxury item all right picture the scene we're in soho london swinging soho in a penthouse apartment open plan with a a Mac Pro, the biggest one, the most specced out one, the cheese grater with Pro Tools installed. Next to it, a an RME Fireface UCX. And standing up in the live space, we have near the kettle, presumably, the Neumann Valve U47, a Neve BCM10 miniature. It's a miniature desk, right? Yeah. Then you also have the Beckstein Grand sitting in there. This is a sizable penthouse. Uh, barefoot master stack 12s very sizable penthouse a roland re 201 space echo and you also have installed on your big old mac pro fab filter pro q3 for all equalizing needs how does that sound sounds great can't wait to start sessions well we have one more item your luxury item tell us tell us your luxury item that you've chosen um non-studio gear related but something that you you'd love in this penthouse this, I'm not really sure, works for a London penthouse. Realistically, this is much better for an LA penthouse, but I'm going to go with it all the same. Um, oh. And that is a rooftop pool. Oh, like yes. Soho House. Yeah. They've got one. Mm. Shoreditch House style. I guess so. Yeah. But I mean, it's freezing cold. <laughs> it's a heated sure, pool. It's heated. This is perfect. It's a heated yeah. pool. But you, but you just can't get out because it's too cold. <laughs> so yeah, it's full of people. Because nobody's ever got out. That does sound a bit culty yeah. again, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, once you're in, you never get out. Um, so yeah, I think a rooftop pool. I like I like swimming for fitness, and I think it's a cool hangout. Um, you know, I've probably got a PA system out there as well, blasting the tunes from the studio. Well, you don't, you don't, but yeah. Well, I've got the barefoots. They're loud enough. <laughs> Maybe it's looking out. Maybe it's looking out onto the terrace. Maybe that's maybe that's where it is. Like real like real world style with the lake, but it's actually your pool. pool. I see. Yeah. Nice. It feels like this this uh this is sort of a semi sort of um architecture podcast as well. I'm like or real estate. <laughs> I'm like, I just wanna <laughs> visit the place. It sounds dope. It's gonna be great. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like you've just plonked like an a, a Hollywood Hills kind of pad on top of a a Soho roof. It's perfect. Yeah, well, yeah, ironically, last week I was in the Hollywood Hills in a in a rented Airbnb kind of writing session, and we we spent a week looking out across LA and the mountains and all that sort of stuff. And you know, we turned the lounge into the studio space, so we did have the kitchen right behind us. So it was sort of a mini version of what I wanted. Nice. So it is a a poolside penthouse studio with panoramic views of London, uh, fully residential, enough space for everybody. 
and all their loved ones uh, running Pro Tools on a big Mac with FabFilter Pro Q3, audio going into a, an RME Fireface UCX, recording with a Neumann Valve U47, a, B, uh, an, a Neve BCM10, a Beckstein Grand, Barefoot Master Stack 12s, and a Roland RE20, uh, RE201, sorry. You nearly ended That's, up with the, the pedal version yeah. now, which would have been a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, <isn't> nah. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> no. <laughs> you got the digital <laughs> emulation <laughs> guitar pedal yeah. version. but Yes, no, thank you. I'd like the full version. I will just add to that. This is only residential for me, by the way. Everyone's welcome to come hang oh, out okay. in the day. But then everyone needs to go home. Then I need to go, okay. go get some sleep. That's good. It's good that you finished with that because <laughs> that does underline that it, this is definitely not a cult. This is definitely, definitely not a cult. And I will protect that in a court of law. That's the uh, that's the title of the podcast. Yes, Austin Austin Jux Chandler's <laughs> definitely not a cult studio. Yes, <laughs> perfect. Well, all that's left Thanks to do so is much, say thank Austin. you so much for joining us on the podcast uh, all all the way from LA late at night and uh, making making this happen uh, via remote means. So thank you so much. Thank I you for you having me. Yourself. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, living out my dreams. Thank you so much. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe using your favourite podcasting app and rate us five stars too. We'll be back next Tuesday and we'll be joined by gear-obsessed electronic music pioneer, BT. Yes, it's going to be interesting to see if somebody with so much amazing studio kit can build their forever studio with just six items. And whether he can avoid having any bundles, Chris. Oh, 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 yeah. No No bundles. bundles. Thanks very much. (laughs) Catch you next time.